Hey, you're just starting the Trek Off podcast now, so it's a good time for you to subscribe to a new podcast, too. The Totally Super Podcast is me and my good friend Arthur reviewing every single superhero movie ever made. That's right. It's called Totally Super. It's put out by Geeks Radio. It's like Trek Off, but for superhero movies. Maybe not quite so dirty, but it's still fun. So check out Totally Super. Search for it right now. Whatever you're listening on right now, whatever you found Trek Off on, just use that to find Totally Super and subscribe. Okay, enjoy Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And tonight, yeah, it's nighttime, guys. We're recording tonight. <laughs> it's nighttime. Uh, it's been really hard to record because it's summertime. Yes, and anybody who's listened to us for a long time knows that at summertime it gets difficult because I've got my kids at home. Um, yep. And the last two summers have been particularly difficult, especially this one, because the older of my kids is now too old to go to any kind of daycare. Um, so uh, that means that at any <laughs> given stuck time. stuck with them. <laughs> yeah. At any given time that I want to record, I have to do it while they're home. So um, given that that's the case, uh, we are trying as hard as we can to get the show out to you. Um, and frankly, we would have gone another few days. But goodness gracious, you guys, like we take a little bit of a break and Star Wars ex- and Star Trek explodes. Um, maybe we should so, do it more often so that Star Trek stuff happens. <laughs> like maybe yeah. there's a correlation. So, so we're we're recording this as of uh, June 27th. I'm hoping I get get this out tonight, if not the next day. So we're going to jump all the way back. I'm, this is all off Trek movie. Um, and we're just going to jump straight in because there's so much to talk about. Not a lot of time to do it. Um, and this is from June 14th by Kayla Iak. Covino, um, who writes, uh, breaking Star Trek Discovery showrunners Berg and Harberts out and Kurtzman, that being Alex Kurtzman, is to take over. Um, Alex Kurtzman, uh, uh, who has was involved in the show, he's done a lot of TV, he's a co-creator of the show, but the showrunners of a show are the ones who are actually in there kind of making it go day to day, like who are, who are, if you watch the show, you see that every show has a different director and has a different writer. Um, but a showrunner is the one who kind of makes sure that everything gels together. Iris Daven Bear being the showrunner on on Deep Space Nine, Rick Berman being the showrunner on on Star Trek: The Next Generation, et cetera, et cetera. Joss yeah, Whedon they're the ones. That, always- I assume they're the ones like approving the the scripts, the and the directors and stuff like that, and making sure and that they it's, generally it's all going direct in the right and direction. write a couple of episodes themselves. And <laughs> sure. they, at any given point, if you see that the show is by a person, the showrunner may have written twenty percent of that episode as well so that it fits into the, the scope of what's going on this is not something yeah. that would have been as big a deal back in the berman era of star trek uh yeah. in that case in that case being a showrunner yeah, because those are just sort of one-off episodic there's nothing yeah, there's point, not a whole it, lot changing i mean there is some change for the characters over the, the seven seasons but you know yeah. and certainly once you get to deep space nine there's a little bit more but like it, where we are now there's a whole sure. lot of arc to a season. Well, at that point, also, it's you know? worth keeping in mind that that a showrunner at that point was more of a curator, right? He would go through mm-hmm. the scripts and be like, oh, that's Star sure Trek that, and that'll work. This is right for the characters. This doesn't make conflict. sure they were up to snuff. But at this yeah. point now, it's it's a showrunner. Like, does it fit? Does it fit in the thing? And it's like, yeah. or like you just said, like writing of part big, of it. And it's like, listen, you can write a one off thing that's happening right now, but you have to make sure that this happens, too. Go. Yeah. So, so whether you liked or hated uh, Star Trek Discovery, 
the people are out and Kurtzman is in. Kurtzman is probably more involved in the design things you may have disliked than which is unfortunate because <laughs> then now if he's the, the showrunner, show. I'm not sure how I feel about this. You know so, what I'm saying? Like yeah. So you know, it's worth noting that the show was never designed to be run by these guys. The show was supposed to have been run by Brian Fuller, who then yeah. took off, and and Nicholas Meyer was going to be and more Nicholas involved. Nicholas Meyer, than he I thought. Was. Yeah. Um. So uh, Akiva Goldsman is not going to be coming back. Uh. Who? Uh. It said that he again. This is from the article on Trek Movie saying that he had a management style and personality that clashed with the writing staff. So big turnover. Wow. On, this is uh, never on good. Discovery. Although honestly. That's very Star Trekian behind the scenesy in a way. When yeah, you and it happens like, all the time. By the way, it's worth noting that Joss Whedon was not the showrunner on Buffy <laughs> in some of its best seasons, and that he was not the showrunner on Angel. And he he would generally be the showrunner on season one or two of his shows, and, and then, then be gone. he would hand it he would hand it off to people, and that's kind of how it goes. J.J. Abrams was never showrunner on Lost. It's just that they they conceive of it and they pop in as executive producer to make sure it's kind of going the way it's supposed to go. There, Joss Whedon could it could be said was the showrunner of of all of Angel and all of Buffy in the way that the the Joss Whedon is to the showrunner for any particular time as the showrunner is to the writers on any particular episode. Showrunners do change throughout the run of shows. That does happen frequently. Um, while the executive producer stays the same, make sure that it's the same. So it's it's Buffy had a number. Of yeah, but what you're talking when you're talking about this person and the the his his style clashing with the writers and stuff like that, like it reminds me of like the um. I mean, first of all, yeah, I'm sure this kind of stuff happens a lot because we're all creative types in the business, right? Like all of that because it's your creativity and people get really attached to it and that kind of stuff, and it can cause tension when you disagree, right? And that's just true of any creative endeavor um but like in reading like the books about the like behind the scenes and stuff so like just you know about gene roddenberry and the writers and certain other people and how they you know interacted with each other and like you would never have guessed watching the show right that there's all this drama happening <laughs> behind the voyager scenes. where you can see the creative problem. yes um where you could see the clashes and it's like it's not yeah, working it, out. Because like, when you watch when you watch Voyager and you hear Garrett Wong and Robert Beltran go, yeah, we really wanted to do some stuff with our characters. And they said, no, you have to be boring to make the aliens seem more alien. You can watch a show and go, OK, I can absolutely see that that yep. is why your characters were stagnant. So um, so it's so that's that. But. That would normally we do a whole episode on that. We normally go. We would. Okay, let's we normally talk about go. What it could mean and blah 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 blah. And we are only like six minutes in. But guys, um, we've been talking a lot about Star Wars on this show. Uh, did you know that the fallout from Solo has meant that Star Wars is putting all of its Star Wars story episodes on hold? <laughs> I did not know that. No. Um, wow. So, uh, just so we can do. Uh, I'm just. You know what? I, I'm just. I'm trying to be glad in my heart. That like the guy who's pl who played Solo because really 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 love that actor. I cannot stress this enough. I love that guy. Have you seen Solo um, yet? Go I cannot stress it. this enough that I love him. That he's done enough before this that this isn't going to destroy his career. I ha I like my I'm I'm trying to hold that in my heart so that I don't get sad about that because whether or not Solo was a good film because I think it was a mistake from the start as you know. Um, I. Don't want him to have to pay for that because I really, really like that kid. No. So, um, 
Have you been spoiled? I mean, I, I, we, I, we did talk I, a lot about Let me put it this way. So you're like, have you seen Solo? And I'm like, no. Do you want to know what I just finally saw was Black what? Panther and it was awesome. It was awesome. Oh my gosh. Next week uh, on, you're, you'll have to pay five bucks for it, but you can finally see Ready Player One and we can talk about it, um, which I'm excited about. But we, we don't even have time to talk about that. There's so much to talk about today. There's I do so want much to talk other about, stuff. I do want to talk about where Solo is right now. Solo right now is at a worldwide gross of $355 million off of a budget of $250 million, which probably means there's like $150 uh, uh, of advertising on top of it. So probably a total budget of $400 million. And then keeping in mind that whatever the gross is, it's probably making 75% of that. So if it's making... Mm-hmm. If if it's taken in three hundred and fifty five million in tickets, it's probably made like two seventy on a budget of probably four hundred. It's losing one hundred and thirty million. This is a, a an enormous an enormous disaster. Ouch. Yeah. Um, and we talked about all the reasons why, and I don't want to talk about yeah. that. But I do want to. We don't need to rehash give, all that. I do want to give my perspective on having seen it a second time without spoiling. Um, and I think I can do this. Uh, because there are there are major things in the movie to spoil. There's even a reason to want a sequel to it. You sort of feel when you watch the movie you go, "Hey, the seeds that are planted in this movie could sprout a much better movie than this movie." I don't know if that makes any <laughs> sense. No, it does. And there's other movies that I've seen that like I don't, you know, you you have two kinds of movies the way that they end where it's like it ends and like clearly there was every intention like there's they're like they leave it in such a way that like you've got kind of a complete story but they've really put something at the end to make you go, "There's going to be another one." Right. And then the there's other ones kinda, to the point where I kind of wish Solo was like 20 minutes longer and all of the events in Solo could have happened in the first half hour. And I want to see the movie that would have come next. That seems like a much better movie. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. I don't know what that means. But then you have other movies <laughs> well, that like they end and they seem very complete. And there's enough of a little tickle where you go. They could they could make a sequel like they could leave it like this and it would be okay and you wouldn't be like there are so many unanswered questions what happens next they have to make a sequel right but it's more like I want a sequel so which I will it sounds you, like what you're saying here right it sounds the like best way to say solo solo is people go it's not my Star Wars it absolutely is your Star Wars it's Star Wars that you've seen before and I'm going to tell you what Star Wars it is I'm going to give you an idea having not seen Solo what it's like watching Solo because watching it a second time I realize because the first time I'm just like yeah I'm in Star Wars land woohoo um, I know that but the second time I, <laughs> You're too the busy second time I watched it <laughs> the second time I watched it I realized there's nothing there's no big moment and I don't mean that it's not like epic but I mean Star Wars films and action films in general lead up to a look at this wow but star wars that's what they do you like lead up and then there's a boom you know there's a there's a big boom somewhere the original star wars made giant booms out of single tie fighters like there was boom they it it all leads up and then whoa so this star wars which is absolutely the kind of star wars you've seen before i want you to imagine that it's the escape from jabba's palace followed by the um the assault on the shield generator on Endor with the side of with with the side of the escape from Cloud City but minus the Luke Skywalker fight and and let's also say the assault on Scar- Star Killer base but only the stuff inside Star Killer base and minus the dramatic death of Han so just kind of the running around shooting and escaping stuff and then in terms of a space battle let's say um let's say the space battle between Obi-Wan and Jango Fett but minus the really cool stuff where the asteroids start like it it's it's all the pretty good interstitial action stuff but just that 
<laughs> there's no there there is no moment where you're like ooh you know what like- it sounds like just based on what you just said though it it makes me think of like beat wise and this is a great movie terminator 2 no, like no or even no. terminator it both those movies are just like long really long chase scenes real, that's like kind of all they are there isn't some big explosive this moment like there is in the like the chases up the ante so to speak i think you know I, but I, like I mean, it's Termin- not terminator one is a horror movie and that's different but terminator two has the giant explosion of the building and you have the giant explosion of the truck like those chase sequences end <laughs> in big giant explosion you have him being turned into in it like him being frozen and breaking into a million pieces like the, it leads up to Climactic moments. By the way, spoiler alert for Terminator 2 for a movie from 1990. Um, <laughs> Which is so, just fucking ridiculous. If you haven't seen Terminator um, 2, like seriously, fucking watch that shit. What are you waiting yeah. for? <laughs> but like there's but there's no moment. Um, imagine the chase sequence of like in in the aqueduct in LA where there's where their thing where the where the the, With the truck and all the shit truck right? finally explodes so imagine that you have that a really really good chase sequence and then at the end they kind of get away and that's and it. there's no truck explosion there's no moment to the end you know it's <sighs> it's 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 a it sounds mo- like what you need is a button on everything well here's the thing that's what you know it's what supposed i mean to, that's what that's what it's supposed to lead to i mean this is the hand job that doesn't end i mean it's just like <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's and the fact that his name is it's, it's I, that's nice. why I always say Han, but fucking tell me it's in, in the job. movie. <laughs> it's, a <Han laughs> job. It's, it's, it's a Han job. It's, it's, <laughs> or if you say nice. it like Lando does in in a fucking the in in the second one or whatever, when he says Han, it's a Han oh, job. It's, it's, come on, you you know he's that the only one who calls him Han. Tell me in the oh, movie. A, tell me at least in Solo that this Lando does not call him Han. He calls him Han. This this Solo absolutely calls him Han. Stop. <laughs> At which point Han goes, Han. That's so awesome. I love that they've addressed that. It's yeah. perfect. No, and that's the thing, is that on, on second watching, I realized it's it's a big it's the interstitial action stuff without That without stuff doesn't bother me though. Like I don't need like like I'm not as conditioned as you are to like if that doesn't happen, I'm like, uh, where's the big button of like explodey things? Well, I, like, I, I don't, don't need care. It. I don't need it either. Let me be on record as saying I liked this film. I'm not sorry that I saw it a second time. I mean, hell, I saw it a second time. I saw it a second time with someone who was also seeing it a second time. I liked the film. But when I think back about why this is being called disposable, I go, well, yeah, it is disposable because at the end of the day, you know, Han, Han Solo starts the film and ends the film. You know, he, he's moved forward in his life, but he hasn't changed a whole lot. And the not a lot really happened like by the end. And when I say you could deliver everything in the film, condense it down to like 30 minutes and do the better film that would have come after, which is never going to happen now. Um, so anyway, yeah, Solo. I mean, um, maybe not never. Like, you know how things go, man. Like a long I enough don't time. Know, dude, I don't know. It's. Like, like it was not long where they're like, hey, that Obi-Wan Kenobi thing that everybody kind of wants is not happening. They were going to do a Boba Fett film. That's not happening. Um, None of it's I mean, the thing is, if you're going to do those things, you've got to. I feel like in most movies, like you do, you do have to have some kind of like if the character is in the same place. Like, cause, and I've seen a movie like, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't, fi- oh, fuck. Cause it's not, it's an indie. It's not like a big blockbustery, but it had, I want to say it had, um, Cameron Diaz in it. And like her character, like you watch the whole movie 
And I didn't care for this film for this reason. Like, it wasn't like her acting was bad or the writing was bad or there was like anything like bad about it. Right. But like, ultimately, I watched this whole film with this that was about this character. And at the end of the film, it was quite that was sort of the point. She'd learned nothing. She was exactly the same, despite all of the things that had happened in the course of the film as she was when it started. Yeah, and that was clearly the point. But like at the same time, I was like, you you realize when you watch something like that, how unsatisfying that is from a storytelling standpoint, because it's like, then what does it matter if that person isn't going to learn something, isn't going to expand their mind, change, you know, see something that makes a difference in their life? Then what the fuck is the point if they're just going to be stagnant? Yeah, I, I don't want to say he's totally stagnant, but anyway, we don't even have time to talk all about, about all of that. The point being, well, that, I still I haven't seen it, so I time. can't really speak to it. But I, but we can speak to the fact that they've canceled the other things. That right now, episode nine, there's some TV stuff that's still happening. Um, episode nine is uh, is the only thing on the docket, and they've they've now they've since kind of backed off and said, well, we're not saying they're canceled, but we're saying we're rethinking them, and we don't want this to happen. Again. Um, I mean that's a like smart Ron move. Howard's even come out and Ron Howard's even come out and said, "Yeah, I feel really bad that I messed up Star Wars." Really? Yeah. Ouch. Um. So you know, <sighs> like at the at the at the end of the day, I think that maybe that's the right thing. I think that for every reason that we said before, letting us have some anticipation, or you know, if you're gonna do it every six nine months, you got to make it a thing that you really think about. And Marvel reached this point too, by the way. I think there was a point after like Iron Man 2 and Thor the Dark World where they were like, hold on, we're really risking going the wrong direction. Let's let's back up and take a breath, make sure that we're keeping it fresh. And I think that it's worth, you know, you need a bit of a slap in the face to, to slap you, to, to go, hey, you know what? It's not just going to work to slap Star Wars on something, even if it is pretty good. You know, if you want to yeah. do really well, you know. So with... uh. Star Wars saying, hey, I think we're going to back up a little bit. This is from June 19th, 2018. CBS is expanding its Star Trek TV franchise. (laughs) Um, uh, So here we go. Uh, Alex Kurtzman, as well as doing Star Trek Discovery, will be developing a new Star Trek series, miniseries, and other content, including animation. Um, mm. for uh, for Star Trek, developing a new original series across the full spectrum of broadcast, cable, and streaming platforms. It's going to be everywhere. Star Trek is. Um, it's more so opportunities for us to be in it, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. So multiple shows <laughs> in development. Going down to the bottom of the the bottom of the article, the official announcement did not go into detail on what possible Star Trek content is on the way, but Variety reports some of the potential projects. Think the following: a series set at Starfleet Academy from creator Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz. The duo, the duo, are, are most recently developed the CW's reboot of Dynasty and previously created shows like Gossip Girl and Marvel's Runaways. Um, which Runaways did okay, but Gossip Girl was very, very a limited series whose plot details are being kept under wrap. Um, a limited series based around the Wrath of Khan story. So basically, the um, the I get we're talking about the eugenics wars, mm, I guess. I guess. Um, uh, and an animated series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. Um, so that is like those are four series animated, are, and I've got one, to tell you, like at least the one like I never watched Gossip Girl, but just based on the title and the little snippets I probably saw, like when my niece was watching some shit. I don't want that to be my Star Trek. Oh, but you know, here's the thing. Here's 
where they might be being very smart, and I hope that they are. Marvel is, Marvel stumbled upon something where they're like, okay, the movies give you one tone. And now they've got Cloak and Dagger, which my understanding is very good. That is very much like a tween show. It's it's a teenage show that's Marvel. It's over on, and it's on this new streaming platform over here. They've got uh, the basically. Uh, to be clear, I don't 90s. mind it being teenagers. I'm not. I don't like. I, no, I don't hear, hear mind they, that part. I mind it being like some teenager CW fucking show, like the Vampire Diaries in fucking you know cadet uniforms. That bothers me a lot. Again, it's it, it all, it's all going to come down to whatever the quality of the show is. What I'm saying is a show that is a little bit like that, while at the same time you have a show, an animated series that's geared more toward, you know, eight, nine-year-olds, and then you have another limited series here. You have Discovery, which is kind of your grown-up Star Trek show, where they all coexist, like the Marvel shows, but they are, they are four different audiences all adding to the same canon. I'm kind of down for that yeah, idea. I'm kind of uh, down for As an idea, I am down for that. But what I'm saying, though, what I'm saying to you, though, is that like the difference is with Marvel, when you just, it's taking place in our world as we, it's more or less taking place in our world as we know it. So the idea that you'd have a bunch of whiny teenagers who happen to be mutants is totally makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So for them to be like coming up with like really dumb fucking drama ridden horrible writing that teenagers are apparently going to respond to like gossip girl had gossip girl was known for having really good writing like gossip girl was known for being very good um it was it was a must see it was not you know it it was as much cw as 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 you might say and and it it was quintessentially cw but also i mean the fucking vampire diaries was everybody talked about like that that show was so great and it did so well and it's Hor- the writing is horrible, dude. It's horrible. That I, show know, is horrible. Like I My watched all of it because it. I love that guy, but that show is horrible. It's not good. Yeah, my my wife loved that show. Now that show is. Uh, it's it all depends on who's your writer, right? Do you it know what I'm saying? But, you, but if you're telling your me that it's showrunners from a C- like it, that concerns that it's showrunners from a teenage CW show that concerns me. That worries me because here's the difference, and and this is what I and like I said, I am okay with what you just described. I like the idea of having a Star Trek flavor for everyone. I totally dig that, like where it's like, okay, the stuff we're doing on Discovery, there's a lot of violence. You know, there's some language that, you know, some parents find objectionable for their children. Maybe it's a bit heady for a child. So let's have this for, you know, the younger kids. Um, let's have this for the teenagers. So there's something a little bit more that they can relate to in their struggles. That's, that is all totally and completely. I'm on board and I love it as an idea. But the thing is, the the universe of Star Trek is a utopian one. And it is super, super critically, in my opinion, important that that be untouched. That you don't fuck that up. And that you don't fuck it up by having teenagers be stupid. Te- like, think about it like this. Like, the episode that we see with like there there are some episodes we actually watch in next gen where they you know where he time nine, yeah it, and in the, the worst ep- i was well the, i was just i've been listening to the upper pylon 2 podcast which by the way if you're listening to our show right now let them know that we need to have them on before their show is done because their show's end oh because um, no. they're on the seventh season but they well they're on the they're on the seventh season of ds9 
So wow. like yeah, they- when it's done, it's done. Um, but uh, they just reviewed the Valiant, which is the Defiant class starship that has all like start has Red Squad in charge of it. And what a terrible, terrible episode that is. And listening to them talk about, it, I was remind. I always kind of like. I don't that episode, remember that episode like enough to know. I don't. Re- I don't recall. It's the one Jake and Nog are on there, and you have the guy like they've all taken over the adults positions because all the it's lord of the flies almost on the defining uh, it's, it's, yeah like okay it's, yeah. yeah but i'm yeah. talking about like actually good episodes that we get in next gen where we have wesley at you know like the the whole thing that he has to deal with where we see tom paris before he's yeah, with him tom and not paris. tom paris him as not tom paris which um by the way i like to better as that character for the record <laughs> he did it much better than whatever but anyway um i think he did as well as he could with tom paris and i and i think late yeah tom i think paris they, i think they made a mistake i think there's so many mistakes and missteps in voyager that like i don't that's a rabbit hole we're not going to go down right now but like yeah. my point is i will I, I just want to go on record as saying i while i share the opinion of early tom paris with you i think late I know Mary you like Tom Paris, Mary is, Tom Paris because I think you can yeah, relate to him better, you know, because he's well, kind that's, of that's what you want out of your characters. He's kind of like you. I could see that. Um, but like I'm those episodes were good, like both like you did see that these are young people that are dealing with not but they're dealing with big things and they don't know what to do and they don't know what's right. And they and there's stuff that gets in the way. And then you have the episode two where, um, you know, when Picard is taken back to change that moment when he gets in the fight with the Nosigans for his friends. So you get to see him back at the Academy as well. But like there is a you you can like they don't act like normal teenagers in normal teenage movies at all. Because it is a I'm different okay with, world. Because it I'm is okay not not only is it a different world, but like it is a world in which these people are the best of the best. That is important. Like if if I was to liken it to like an eighties movie with teenagers, I think the closest fit would be Space Camp. Where you've got like these kids, yeah, or Dead Poet who, Society, or something like yeah. There's, there's sure, but like, so, but there's there. Yeah, there's. I'm not saying there isn't drama. I'm not saying they're not young people and that they don't have young people problems. But I'm saying that there is a clearly uh, that the, the, the where they are, not just in their lives, but where they are in the world matters. And my concern is particularly when you've got some like a CW crew coming in that did something that was probably popular because of all of its drama and bullshit like that they're going to bring that to my Star Trek and I will be so like I mean part of me like wants to make it be like get off my lawn but like really my heart will die it will shrivel up and die in my chest I want to say these two things one I'm okay with them splitting the difference. If if Star Trek Discovery is is somewhere between Star Trek the Gen- Next Generation and all the characters on Lost, you know, it's like it's it's like <sighs> if it's the if it's the 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 average between them, I'm okay with it be the average between Next Gen and a CW show. Here's the other thing to note: I am always going to be more open than you, I guess, in this regard, because I utterly rejected Buffy. Because it was a teenage show about vampires on the WB, which became the CW. Um, I utterly and totally rejected. I'm not watching that bullshit. And I have had to eat so much crow over having done that. <laughs> over how good that show was. I've named my children after characters on Buffy. I know. Um, 
Um, Speaking of seriously, you have to watch Troll Hunters. You would love it. Yeah, but my point, my point being that this is that this is a you can elevate the material, and you know, you're right. Alex there Christmas is some said, tiny well, possibility so that 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 this may not go as poorly as I fear. Sure, I'm just saying what, what and, my and, fear is and my concern. If they don't do that, weird. if they elevate, if they go, if they realize and they embrace the fact that they're in a utopian society and that these kids are like the smartest and the best and they're trying to get into Starfleet and that matters and there's a, there's all this stuff there. If they steep themselves in the, in the lore of Star Trek, so to speak, and they bring that and they, and they have more nuanced writing. And yes, there's, there's, you know, drama and there's the things that you face from being a young person and finding a way to relate that to young, because that's the thing that Star Trek does really well when it's done right. It can make well, you I think it's relate. It's worth noting. I think it's even also though worth it's, noting not here right and i think that if they can do that i'm okay with it i'm just worried about that not being what happens so what here's the, the other thing that's worth noting our opinion of the cw is based largely on what the cw used to be now you mentioned the vampire diaries which was <laughs> generated in the time when cw was what it used to be and a lot of people do love it now i have watched some of it and it's i bad. might even have liked it if i have not seen a better version of it in buffy um <laughs> uh the it's worth noting what cw is now right it's the home of dc comics now it's every show is a superhero show they're looking for geek related stuff and I want to be on record saying I loved the first two seasons of Arrow. I loved the first two seasons of Flash. And I loved the first uh, two seasons of Legends of Tomorrow. It's also worth noting, uh, in opposition to what I just said, that I have been less enthusiastic about later seasons of all of those shows. Um, it's so, so interesting. I feel like I'm a little bit the other way. And I think it's because there were certain ca- Like, here's my problem with the CW. And this is true of Arrow. Um, it's, it's less true. I think of, of the flash. I think the flash was, um, had a better start. And I think it's because it spun off of arrow, um, is the, is the way they, they treat their female characters, like the female characters in the first season or two of, of the arrow, like just sucked. Yeah, like, no, I, I just I, I'll awful. Be, the writing is except awful. The mom. I like them. I thought awful. the mom was amazing. I thought no, the mom was actually really. She wasn't. I she was in, she, she it's was not, not, it's not the actresses. I'm not. I'm not. This is not me saying these actors suck. I'm saying this was poor writing and these poor women did the best they could with it. And you know, you're a woman in Hollywood. You're getting a, a gig that's going to fucking pay you. That's like a fucking TV show. This weekly. Like you're going to take that shit. I totally get that. And you're going to hope it gets better. Or mean, you're it's, gonna, it's, but even it, though it's changed, like I still can't stand like it's gotten better. But like I still really can't stand Laurel. Like. She bothers me a lot. Well, I haven't seen this last season. I haven't seen. This I haven't last either. I'm always, anymore. you know me. I'm always a season behind because it's, all I watch on, it on it's, it's on Netflix now, so you can watch. Oh, it. is it? I'll have to watch it. Yeah, but like, so. well, the problem too is, is when I watch everything on Netflix, I have to make sure that I watch them in sequence, and so I have to like go on the internet and like find yeah. the watching order so that I know because I hate it when I like have skipped ahead and I'm like, wait, I've clearly missed something. Fuck. To go back and watch however many episodes of whatever else it was like, I try. I have to try to replicate what it was like when it was on TV when I watch it. But like, um, but generally they got rid of a lot of those characters. They changed them. But like, I still don't like Thea that much. I still don't like Laurel. I like. There's just their their female characters. I usually hate what they do with them. And that being a woman matters to me a lot. 
You know what I mean? I, and obviously, like I've said, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. I've become in my old age a lot more like feminist and I've noticed a lot more than I used to um, that I'm like, what the fuck is this shit, yo? <laughs> like bullshit. Like why she got to be like that? Why they got to make her annoying like that? Why they got to do this trope? Motherfucker. You know what I mean? And I think that comes just from the fact of having seen so much media um, that you start at some point like when you're younger, you don't realize that shit. Because you, because you haven't watched enough to realize how tropey that shit is, and then when you've watched a bunch and you realize it, you're like, "This is this is crap. Why can't women do anything but like these handful of tropes? This is very upsetting." So that worries me because I really, for the most part, love what they've done with the women in Discovery. They've done a lot of good stuff there, and if they can translate that, that's why the only reason I'm worried about the CW people. But if they can translate that to a cadet experience, because I want there to be, you know, there should be a, a strong female presence there, too. Because, again, utopian society where, like, we're all equal. Well, I mean, I think we're I think we're getting there, right? Because we now have, you know, first of all, your female characters have power. Second of all, you've got Supergirl. Third of all, you've got Black Lightning, which I understand is really good. Oh, I, I know. That I've seen that come up on Netflix. I'm like, I want to watch that. I think it looks like something and, I would and, like. And you, have, and you have the push in sci-fi now. You know, to do these things. So I think that that's good. So, okay. We, I, ho- I, I have we could hope, spend more time. but I'm worried. I'm scared. That's all I I'm wish, saying. I wish we had more time to spend on this. There is more to talk about. We've, this, this Are you kidding? For a while. So, <laughs> so in addition to all of this, on the, and we'll get, we'll come back to TV in a movie, in, in, a, in a minute, but it's worth talking about uh, from uh, June 26th. Zachary Quinto has said that uh, we we already know we have a female director for the new Star Trek movie that's going to be S.J. Clarkson. So it is happening. There is a director. They're doing it. It's with the Kelvin crew. And they're working really hard to get uh, Chris Hemsworth back, which it looks like when it happens, it looks very much like this is going to be what I think is the best possible outcome for the uh, Chris Pine Star Trek in that. And we said this before. We said this like a year ago. You get Chris Hemsworth back. And you reset the timeline to how it was. You go, hey, you know what? We're going to undo everything that's going to happen. And what you have is you have a pocket universe of this Star Trek. There used to be a series of comic books in the 80s I used to read, read called What If? And What If was a comic book that would be like, what if Uncle Ben didn't die? And then it's a double-sized comic book to find out what would have happened to Peter Parker and why he still would have become Spider-Man, but how he would have been totally different. There's a wonderful, I forget, wish I could remember the name of it, but it was what if uh, Kal-El had landed in Soviet Russia as opposed to America when he landed and became Superman. Um, And that's like, so this is what would an alternate timeline have looked like um, if this had happened and we have this pocket universe and they have the opportunity to wrap it all up. I think and then that we that don't have to worry like what's the next movie because yeah you're right each, they're all getting more expensive they're all because they're doing other stuff like but if you yeah, if you could I I feel with I'm with you man like if they could if they can use and this you and I never have to argue again about whether or not it destroyed the other one you can just go hey you know what it's a it's a pocket side story that that it's it's we didn't just reboot Star Trek it's a side story that has nothing to do with the rest of Star Trek but they told it in such a way that it uses the Star Trek mechanics to not just be this random other um i i <laughs> love i love that i love that that you will be able to have this this you know quadrilogy of of movies off to the side to go hey this is this is a large star trek story that we've been told a what if star trek yeah story and you can just and you can me. and you don't have to have seen the other stuff really to be able to enjoy it or you could have you know what yeah. i mean like i i, With clear I do love that as an idea end, i think it's great yeah i like that um, i think that would be really 
awesome if that's the story that they're going to tell. And if they that and I, being and I'm said, excited about a woman director, obviously. That being said, Quinto uh, Zachary Quinto has come out and said uh, and said when he was uh, talking on a radio program, he said that he doesn't know whether or not uh, he goes the, the one after Star Trek Four, which is the one that's being done, is uh, is the one being done by Quentin Tarantino. Um, where Tarantino is evidently writing the story as a giant Star Trek fan and helping with the screenplay, but it's not going to be writing the whole screenplay, not going to be directing. He's going to be kind of overseen as a fan. And it's worth noting that Tarantino is a fan of stuff. Like, yeah, he does when he does a, when he, like when he does a thing that he's a, like fucking Kill Bill, being a fan of like Kung Fu movies and stuff. Those movies yeah. are fucking great. Like, you can see the love. You can see the dedication. Like, it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, it's fandom done right. Like, Quentin Tarantino is one of those few rare birds out there that, like, when he loves something, he's got such a, a mind that it doesn't just, you know, get all nerd jizzy and, and, and go off track. It, like, it, he has a way of being able to take those things that he loves and, and make them bloom in his own way and it's awesome so like yeah that so, does excite me if he knowing that he's a fan of star trek and like what that would make him birth from you know okay, an idea so, we, so we've got the change in the showrunners we've got the uh the bunch of new star trek series a year from now we might have five star trek series we've got two star trek movies hey let's move over to comic books right now um on in idw i am i can't tell you how much i want to read this there is a comic book being drawn in the style of the Star Trek animated series, complete with like the animal characters and not the uh, the animal characters, and I think like Chekhov isn't in it. Like it's it's right. the, it is the animated series meets the Transformers drawn what? in their eighties style. Of Wait, so they're com- both drawn their ways, and somehow they're going to be in the same comic meeting each other? Oh, it, it works. There's a picture if you look on Track Movie. There's I'm a like, picture. Yeah, how does of, that work? I'm curious. I'm like, how can it that- works the same? Because if you think about it, the the characters in in the original Transformers show had also had that kind of Hanna Barbera look to them. The opening, the opening. Oh, that's shots true. Of the show, You're right. Yeah. It, the opening shots of the show was, you know, high budget anime style. But once you mm. got to your episode by episode. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It, it was it was all pretty simple. Um, I love this idea. Now, it doesn't fly with the Transformers plot. The idea that, that the whole world knew there were Transformers and like like maybe they left or so. I don't know how this works. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure the they animated- make this work, but I love but I love the idea of putting them together and seeing what happens for sure. And it's the like- animated series isn't canon because like clearly um, yes, it the is. crew on- the crew on that show is not the crew that you know it's it's, it's, it's that as thing. it may it's canon. It is canon. So I don't know if it's canon. That's a, it is canon. Is it like yeah? It is. So it's so, absolutely so canon. Like there are Chekhov stories about left at one point, and then they had these guys on, and that. I mean, here's I t- the it- thing: like there are so few episodes of the animated series that, like, it's perfectly like it's not like once you're on a ship, you're just always on that ship. It's perfectly acceptable that like Chekhov could have been transferred for a while, that he could have gone on a sabbatical. Same with Sulu, or I think Sulu's actually there. Um. Like, it's not crazy pants for yeah. them not to be there for the very short period of time that we have in the animated series. If the animated series had gone longer, I think you might start running into, that's weird. So he just disappeared. And then when the movie, he was back, though. Like, 
but it's perfectly acceptable. And there's things that happen that, that are referenced in later stuff. Like there are things about like Spock's childhood. There are, there are things that happen and there are continuations of original series stories in the animated series. It's absolutely canon. In any case, if you're a fan of 1970s Trek, if you're a fan of 1980s, and this is clearly, it's the 1980s uh, Transformers show. Um, If you're a fan of these things, uh, go to IDW. The pictures are, I got to read this. The pictures look just like both series on the covers. It looks wonderful. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit cheesy, but both those shows were a little bit cheesy. I love kind, that, though. Like, I love cheese. The, I don't got a problem with the joy cheese. of them. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't got an issue with cheese. I love me some cheese. It's called Star Trek versus Transformers. It's on ID, the IDW comic books. The images are are wonderful. The images are wonderful. So I can't say the quality of the story or anything, but I can tell you just seeing them last Last thing to talk about. Okay. This is from June 26th, yesterday, from uh, trekmovie.com, written by, oh, just says by trekmovie.com staff. <sighs> I'll start at the top. Last week, CBS shook the world of Star Trek by announcing plans to expand the television franchise all under the eye of Star Trek Discovery co-creator and executive producer Alex Kurtzman. We just talked about that. One of the potential new TV projects in the work, at least according to The Hollywood Reporter, involves Sir Patrick Stewart returning to play Jean-Luc Picard. This possible Next Generation era project could be one of the potential quote-unquote limited series that Variety reported on last week. Now a new report from the UK's Mirror is citing inside sources saying Sir Patrick is in talks, noting the star is keen to reprise his most famous part and deals are close to being struck. The report, which should be considered a rumor at this point, quotes an LA source as saying, Patrick is looking pretty good to get back on the Enterprise. There are some aspects of the deal to be finalized, but there is a verbal commitment from all parties. (laughs) Now... It's worth noting on top of this. Now that, that is some shit that I want now. Yeah. So today, so, like I love, cause so, I, cause here's the thing that I've watched on Netflix. I have watched quite a few limited series and it's like, this is such a great idea. It's like, instead of having the pressure of having to constantly, you know, for as many seasons as people are interested, somehow keep making this show interesting, whatever the thing is. You know what I mean? It's like having an idea for a for a story, but it's long form. It takes some time. Like there, there are so many books that I've read where I'm like, this would be so great, but not as a movie. There's too much. You can't do it like like a per- perfect example. Obviously, is Ready Player One, but there is a there is a clear like beginning, middle, and end. There is a clear arc to that story. So it also really can't just be a series that just goes on right like it needs to be a limited series where it's like okay what we do is we just take the time that we need to tell the story right whatever that is if that's so 13 episodes if that's three parts of 10 episodes if that's whatever that looks like and if it goes well and it gets good ratings and it's high quality then you wait a year like you did with Jessica Jones, um, which, by the way, I just finished the second season of Jessica Jones, the first five episodes of which are dog shit. And then the show makes a, I, oh, make, it, I almost quit. But then the show makes a hard left turn. And it looks like maybe they realize that, uh oh, OK, um, let's hold on, um, because <laughs> the sec- the back half of the season is spectacular. Anyway, really? Uh, I, haven't gotten, Stewart, I, won't, I haven't gotten even to the halfway point, I don't think. 
Patrick Stewart was stepping out of a theater event in London uh, uh, back in uh, May. He was asked by someone whether someone just cornered him. It was like, hey, have this brief video interview. Just want to ask you, have you seen Star Trek Discovery? Have you checked that show out? And he said, you mean the series and not the movie? Because there is a new movie out due very soon. But no, I haven't seen the series. But I may have good cause to look at it very soon. That's oh. from him. And all of a sudden, right, the, the, they're talking about these deals that are about to happen. Him I love back it. as Picard. Now, I don't know I what that it. means. I, I don't, don't know either. if it's the next gen cast. I think it's worth noting that he has on a number, number of times... Um, a number of times have said the only reason he would ever want to get back together to do to do Picard again is to get all the crews back together. That would be astounding. Like even the best parts of Voyager, I'd love to see the Doctor. Um, although it'd be hard to say why he. You know, I'd love to see. Yeah. It kind well, of so here's up. the thing. Wait for it though. Like because because he, here's the thing about uh Sir Patrick as well. Like I've noticed because I've watched a lot of stuff recently. Um, where he's done voice work on it. Like yeah. I watched um Dragonheart something like you've seen dragon like they were like then they did a bunch of sequels yeah. and they were bad but then like he the the most recent dragon heart he is the voice of of the dragon and i'm like why would he do this bad movie but then i it's a really good movie actually and i'm like oh so this was like one of those times where like the first movie was good and then they did some bad shit and then they were like let's do another good one <laughs> and then they do that and you're like all right um so this was that um, but like, here's the thing. If you do an animated, and I don't mean animated like children's, I mean animated like, like, like a high. Anime. Like, what if they did a next gen anime series? Although, I'm just I, saying, like, cause their voice, like, the fact that they've all aged, the fact that any of them have aged, original series, the, you know, the next gen, the Voyager, DS9, any of it, it's all irrelevant. They're like, you just need how they sound. Yeah. And you I get mean, over don't... that. You can get beyond that and you can have like the coolest thing ever. I would love that. And like, especially yeah. on Netflix, like I've there, I've been, I've watched a couple of their like Netflix original, um, like anime shows and the animation is really good. It's really spectacular and you can really, and Star Trek is, is a good place to use that. Like it's a good, it's a good fit because it like allows you to do so much. Um, that you maybe couldn't do, like obviously special effects have come a long way, but like that you could do a lot cheaper is my point, right? So if you're doing a limited sure. series type of a thing, you don't have to have the budget for whatever crazy big shit like that you would want, right? Like some big explosive, you know, ending, you know, universe is ending thing or whatever. <laughs> like if you're doing that in anime, it's a lot I cheaper. Want. <laughs> um, tell me i'm wrong uh, you're not you're wrong about next gen so, <laughs> okay um, whatever i i want to i want to i want to do i do want to come out and say this though that like the what i love to do the what we love to do on the show and what we as fans of both star trek and star wars um have not had a big chance to do star wars we finally got to um in regards to when we saw Force Awakens, we got to then go back and speculate everything that happened between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. There have been books about it now. That's just by doing Force Awakens, there have been a whole series of books of shit that happened between Jedi and Force Awakens that just opened all of that. And my problem with Star Trek has been that Star Trek, um, Star Trek Nemesis came out in 2002. It's been 16 years since Star Trek Nemesis. And the only thing that we know that has happened is that Romulus exploded. It's the only thing we know. The only thing in the prime timeline that we know that's happened in 16 years is that Romulus has exploded. After the very first episode, and this is the problem I had with Discovery, is like, I don't necessarily need to know the events 
10 years before the original series. I want to like, I don't know what happened in between. Into, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've always been into the world. I was the one who bought the, the Star Trek. I, I read the history of the future, the Star Trek, you know, timeline to say like, I loved the world. So in the very first episode, we find out the Vulcans are our bitter enemies and the Romulans are really good friends. And now, and we find out this and the Ferengi are in Starfleet, but the, the, like the very first episode, you see how the world has changed. It's like that first episode of next gen when suddenly there was a Klingon on the bridge. What? You know, yeah, you find out you, know, you know, Starfleet, like like you know there there was a giant Borg invasion, but now Starfleet's recovered. Whatever you want to say has happened, and that very first episode, suddenly you've got this giant history that we can speculate about and think about and talk about, and you've changed up the world enough. You're like, wow, hold on, look at everything. And, and we then have it, to talk and it has little, and that gives you like little nuggets, like throughout the 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 series or the whatever story that you're telling to. To let us know what happened, too, to like yeah, allude and, to it, and to you, talk about it, and to, then you can, and then you can do you. You want to do a prequel series to that series that's in between in that area, show how that happened. You want to plant seeds for stories over. You can, but right now, as far outside of like the vague idea that there was a supernova that somehow destroyed the Romulus and was going to destroy the galaxy, outside of that piece of almost trivia, we've no idea what happened after Nemesis. None, nothing. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. You know, and if you think about it, like the beginning of the next generation to the end of Deep Space Nine was 10 years. Voyager, you know, was in, and this is a key problem I had with the show, was in another quadrant having nothing to do with any of it. Yeah. So in those 10 years between, like Starfleet had a lot happen. It had a Borg invasion. It had a Dominion War. It had the Klingon Civil War. Like major things are happening everywhere all this time for 10 years. It was exciting. And then there's 16 years we don't know what happened. I mean, think of how the world could have changed. Um, I'm excited about that. And frankly, I'm excited. I think we need Next Gen in particular right now um, in our times. <laughs> more than we need original series. More than we need Space Nine, which is my favorite. I think we need a thoughtful show about being good here. Um, and I don't want to get, you know, I will not get political on Trek off, but I would say in the current political tri- climate, okay. we need a little Jean-Luc Jean And if he brings... You know, if he brings that gravitas to to thoughtful, well reasoned worldview, um, yeah, like I don't even think this has to do with the political climate so much as just like I don't want to say political. Uh, Yeah, I'm saying this, but you're right. The social climate right now, like we we need, we need, we need a a little Jean Luc. Yo, a little Jean Luc. Not just what would Jean Luc do? Like that's what we need. We need a little of that. But not not just hopeful, but also calling out the bullshit, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know. You know the 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 one who will look at at at, at who was it Gol Madrid and and say you know you know as soon as you teach your your children to devalue one person they can devalue anyone including their parents you need someone who can say that yeah like and no one can say it like John Luke so <laughs> he does have a way about him you're right like yeah he d- there's a- he does have a way of of like saying like three or four sentences that just devastate <laughs> like oh dude <laughs> where you're just like damn oh dude okay yeah you're right and it doesn't He's matter right. what he says he goes. <laughs> Don't you think it would have been a good idea for you to eat that guitar? Man, I really should have had that guitar. <laughs> Coming in the next day, I'm chewing on a guitar. Dude, I was kidding. I was kidding, man. It was, it was a joke. It's a deal. Dude. Anyway, just, yeah, this is huge. I, I'm so that, excited. I don't, I, don't, I, 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 I don't even know what to do with that. Like, <laughs> I know. I'm like, now, but, but can we watch it now, though? Can, yeah, now, can we just now you that? know why I was so much like, <laughs> hey, we we gotta we gotta do the show. 
We got yeah. we got some stuff to talk about. There's so yeah, there's much, so much, going so on. much going on. Yeah, Mr. There's a, so like, at some point, um, was like, oh, yeah, no, I looked up some stuff. There was, I was like, stop telling me. Justin's going to be mad if you just spoil it because he wants to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it's worth noting how dead it felt that Star Trek was. You know, Star Trek through 2009 came. And there were seven years between the end of Nemesis and Star Trek 2009. Uh, and, it, you know, Enterprise was canceled one year after that. Um, and there was nothing. There were six years of no Star Trek after having, you know, 15 years of Star Trek, you know, around. And Star Trek went out with a whimper. You know, that's, it's. Yeah, the, the I think that, was it Nemesis opened second place to the wedding planner? Like, I think that, was that oh or my was it a J Lo movie? Really? It was a J Lo movie. Yeah. Um, and like, that wasn't even canceled. a good movie. Like, even if for you a rom com, it wasn't. A- and if you watch the numbers. <laughs> For Star Trek, you go, okay, the season finale of, of The Next Generation got 25 million views or 25 million viewers watching it. And you have the the season, the series finale for Enterprise had something like two. It lost 90% of its audience and we, uh-huh. nobody was going to the theater. Like nobody cared anymore. So the idea that suddenly we're going to be back to a world where we have multiple Star Trek movies in development and four shows on TV again. And shows, yeah. I mean, I love, like I said, I really love the idea of all of that. I think, I do think it's, I think we, I think as a society, I think it's now important. All, now all we need to have happen is for CBS and Paramount. It needs to all be good, though. <laughs> the, well, I, the well, the other thing we need is we need CBS and Paramount to get their shit together from a from a, a business point of view. Because they're still at war and they still want to separate the movie and the TV universes. And we need to get to a point where they can finally be cohesive and yeah, we're eventually going to get burnt out again. That's fine. But right now it's clear that both CBS and Paramount are kind of calling Trek their, it's their big gun. Suddenly Star Trek has gone from being irrelevant to, to being, being the it's their big gun. It's like they've, yeah. what does Paramount have? It's got, Paramount's got Mission Impossible and Star Trek. That's what they got. It's all they got right now. They don't have any, any tent poles. And CBS, same thing. CBS, you know, they launched their show. Everybody's like, nobody's going to pay to see Star Trek. Guess what? Yeah, People we did. are. People yeah. watch. So, so like the idea that we're going to have this, even if it's only for a few years, I am so grateful that we got this back. I never imagined. And I was saying this to my son today, who I took to see Jurassic World uh, today, um, which is such an odd choice of a movie. I really dug it. I want to say that, that you know, if you watch the trailers, you can see that, that Jurassic World, the dinosaurs end up in a big giant haunted mansion type of thing. Um, uh, it's a really weird choice to take Jurassic World and make it gothic horror. Um, and for people who hated the movie, I totally get it. I really <laughs> dug it. It was, it was, it was, it was downright scary at times. Um, wow. and even if it, even you had to scoop a little, you had to you know whistle past like that. You had to go, okay, well, no, clearly a, a, an animal wouldn't do. But as soon as you just accept that, okay, well, the animal's going to open the door and brush the little girl's hair before it gets, like, as soon as you get, like you, you, you make yourself okay. <laughs> You make yourself fucking you, ridiculous for the record. It, it, it is it, like what is it, this, it Freddy? <laughs> it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it doesn't mean to brush her hair. It's like she's hiding behind a sheet and it's like pawing out with its claw and its claw just goes through her hair okay, one time. All right, and that's the vibe for this. The first half of the movie is is full on balls to the wall Jurassic World, huge giant boom action, and then the movie makes this this turn into this very odd but. I just loved how sad, like in a world where, hey, you know what? We've had five movies of giant dinosaurs chasing people around an island. Like, okay, we, we've done that. 
let's try this. Let's do this thing. Um, I really dug it. I sat there with a smile, Alexia, a smile across my face the whole time. Just like <laughs> I was, I was, I was delighted and scared. Um, in a way that I wasn't during Jurassic. I was never scared during Jurassic World. I was, I was exhilarated during Jurassic World. Well, from that's time the to thing. Time. Like, if I think, if you think back to the original Jurassic Park, like I, I remember it was like it was scary. Yeah, because it, it had it had the exhilaration. It had the you know the big boom of the of the T Rex, and that's what we like all remember. When you see, oh man, yeah, like when the water cup. Yeah, and you're like yeah, but oh, we remember shit. that, and that's and not the scary. and the when when the fucking Velociraptor learns how to open that's a door. The thing. That's that that's the and thing. you're like. Yeah, that, like, that's the thing. That the the Velociraptor part of Jurassic Park, which is the part you don't remember, but is actually the, the oh, really I totally part remember. It's okay. When I see you, fuck. I mean, I mean the I mean the collective unconscious. Everybody remembers the 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 big booms and the Tyrannosaurus, but right. the 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 actual the quintessential so, dinosaur. Like anytime you do a dinosaur thing, yeah. T Rex so is the, the so, thing. So <laughs> so the second half of Jurassic World is the is the vibe. Of that velo- the Velociraptor part the whole time. They're oh, like, cool! I might. I think I dark. could like that actually. Yeah, it's 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 it was kind of and, and if people, it's not one of those movies that like that I'm gonna go if you don't like it like like I want to be more fair like if you don't like Ready Player One it's gonna be because you liked the book anybody who didn't read the book I think would love Ready Player One but if you don't like it's because of the book I think that you know the Last Jedi I've got come around to the point where I'm like. I feel like sort of the same way. The people who don't love The Last Jedi, having seen it probably 10 times, I now get it. I can watch The Last Jedi and go, I know why you had a problem with it. I get why, I even get why you hate it, but I cannot because I love it. This, the same thing with Jurassic World, the, the new one. If you didn't like it, if you're like, oh, this is dumb, I get it. It's probably not what you went to go see a Jurassic Park film for. This kind of movie is not for you. And you do have to whistle past the, some stupid machinations to get them into that situation. But man, do I feel like the old style. Yeah, no, I've noticed like really when well. I watch a movie like there's like I and the stuff that I've watched like semi recently where like I watch something happen that's cl- like that I'm aware of in the moment even. And for me, you know what that's like, because I'm, I'm so emotional when I watch that. It's like, yeah. I, I'm really caught up. But like, even where I'm in the moment, like, and I, and I will say it, I say it out loud. I'll be like, you know what? I don't even care. Like, cause I'm just, I'm where you've gone with it, where you wind up is so great. I don't even care. Like, I've, yeah. I know it's fun. I know it's stupid. I know it doesn't make sense. And I love where you've, where we've, we've ended up so much. That I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm, and and I'm clear know. on it. You know what I mean? I'm I clear on that's what I've decided. I don't want to overstate my case. I won't say I love it. I don't even know if I'll watch it. But but you enjoyed watching it. For a watch, a yeah. I, I, I mean, I, got, I, I, I gotta it. say, I didn't... I, I mean, I've had the trouble like, because I've been so behind on watching stuff. Um, there's so much hype that when I get to the thing, uh, it's almost bound... It's just bound to disappoint me, I feel. And... Like, because I felt that way about Wonder Woman. Like, I didn't hate that movie. It was way better than I thought it would be because I was obviously very worried about it. Um, But I wasn't like, oh, my God, I love this and I love everything about it. Like, I didn't feel that way. And I don't know if it's because there was so much hype or if it was just I had it had such a delta to to overcome in terms of where I was or whatnot. But like, there was so much hype around Black Panther and finally getting to see that movie. I fucking loved it. I adored it. It was as all the hype. It was so worthy of the hype. I felt like I didn't feel 
The only thing that bothered me about that film, and this is, and I'm clear that this has nothing to do with storytelling and it has nothing to do with quality. The only problem was, like, it was the same problem I had with Doctor Strange. I'm like, Martin Freeman can't know. Why is he talking like that? Why did they do this to me? Stop it. The American accent? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just him for some reason. And it's so unfair to, like, I'm aware, like, intellectually, that it is so unfair to both him and Benedict Cumberbatch to be like, no, you have to be British always. Like, that's just not fair. It's <laughs> just, it's an but, emotional you know, thing that here, I've got. Here's the, here's the thing. I don't know if he's doing the accent badly or if the fact is is we've seen him in so many things he's like the most british guy he's the most he's british so guy. yeah there's something so very british about him yes yeah and because yeah, i don't so. think he's he doesn't it's not no it's not it's not his accent it's not like that threw me off and i was like he's got this but like honestly he was my like the least good part of that film for me which sucks although the, because although the I vegetarian bit was the ve- the vegetarian bit was so funny. It's so oh funny. god, that shit was hysterical. I laughed so hard, and I and great. at a time when I was like not expecting to laugh because like so much shit was hitting the fan. It's like see that's that's how you manage to like break the fucking tension. You know, just like, and it was simple. It was such a simple joke. It was, you know it was a mean? Joss Whedon joke. It was totally a Joss Whedon joke. It was totally a a. But it was a well serious. done Joss Whedon joke. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it was worthy. It was so, worthy uh, all across uh, the board. And I, and I'll tell you this. I will tell you what that movie has done for me. And I know that it's in the Marvel universe, right? And I still haven't seen Infinity War, which I'm much more excited about seeing now that I've seen Black Panther. Um. Not that I wasn't excited before, but like I'm even yeah, yeah. more excited, right? Um, but seeing the women in that movie, I yeah, no, they were so loved they were every single one of them, and I felt so justified. Like I could not help but think about you that movie because I was like, see, I told you, because this is what I wanted from Wonder Woman. I, I, like I wanted, like those women are fucking built. Like their arms and their thighs, like they're like, they are fucking muscular and it is hot and it is scary and it is awesome. And like when you and I talked about like if like, cause we've talked about how we have these one off movies of like Marvel here, like we've got, like we had Logan and it's like this movie watching I'm like, clearly we could do a storm movie, a really good one. Cause those women are out there. They had, they didn't oh, well, just I mean, have. Like they didn't every just have time two. I ever, every time I ever see Angela Bassett do anything ever, I'm like, why? Why? I mean, and look, <laughs> yes. I've seen Hall- I, Halle Berry and in Monsters Ball. I, I've couldn't, seen I her- couldn't help but think about it when I saw her and she had the gray hair in the movie and it was so it was like white. And I'm like, yeah. do you see? You see how she would have been so great? <laughs> and Halle Berry has done some good work. She's she done has. such she, great work. Like she won an Oscar for and she and for with good reason. Like she's a very talented yeah. actress. It's but not about she, that. But she makes bad choices too sometimes. Uh, she, she does every every actor that like unless you're Meryl Streep. I feel like Meryl Streep is the only actress or, that's like never or, made a bad or choice. Frankly, Angela Bassett. I've seen her in shit, but she's never bad. Yeah, I don't think I've, seen I've ever her not, seen her make a bad choice. Like, so hey, she just uh, to uh, to end our discussion tonight, I do have um, one last thing that just makes oh, no. me happy, and it might be worth if anyone has seventy dollars that they want to burn. And there's like, hey, I got seventy bucks. I want to burn right now. Maybe only sixty oh, bucks. Want, no, don't tell me about seventy bucks to burn. I don't have seventy bucks to burn, and I bet I want to burn it on whatever you're about to fucking say. You, you won't want. You won't. You, this is particularly not for you. Although you might buy it for your husband. 
Um, today, the Silver Screen Bottling Company announced a new line of officially licensed Star Trek inspired spirits, kicking off the launch of a James T. Kirk straight bourbon whiskey. Um, <laughs> That's why you're excited. <laughs> um, uh, the new tr- the new Kirk bourbon is a small batch release selected from choice barrels aged between four to twelve years, according to Silver Screen Bottling. The Star Trek whiskey I, this I sound like a commercial exhibits you a do. depth and richness seen only in the finest examples of bourbon with the notes of caramel, Asian five spice, and pecan, which is crafted with the highest respect for the whiskey and for the man that bears its name. James T. Kirk Reserve, straight bourbon whiskey. Please pay us some money because I did a great commercial for you right now. Um, <laughs> Please or, just or send, send him a bottle. bottle. Send me like yeah, that's, totally. Th- that would make you happy. Like, just give him a bottle of it. All right, so this is what <laughs> like, I want you to do. Please, anybody listening, I want you to go to jamestkirkbourbon.com and send them an email and say, hey, if you send this guy a bottle every single time, that he, he will only drink it when he does trek off and he will mention it every time he drinks it until it's empty which will be like twice but it's because i like it doesn't like matter because you want to save it up yeah it's, it's nice yeah um so yeah so i figured that would be that would be a good place to end the show tonight absolutely they should totally do yeah. that like seriously guys Amazing. help out justin he would love yeah. that jamesdkirkbourbon.com tell them the trek off sent you and i would love um, to see it and just taste it once i know i don't need a yeah. bottle <laughs> but, yeah. I, but i if would they, taste if it. they if they respond if justin has they, one he would let me take a sip and i would try it if, and i, and I if don't they like respond bourbon, so. that they that they would like to do anything just let me know on facebook private message me on facebook i'll give you my email um because let's make this happen Anyway, Let's make okay. it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> like I'm, right, I, and you know what? We're fine for being spokespeople for alcohol yeah. because I'll we're clearly we're we like to drink the yeah. alcohol. <laughs> I mean, clearly, there's a there's a there's a whole there's a whole generation of people who had Pinnacle Whip vodka because of our first year of our show. Right. So, I'm just that. saying. <laughs> All right. My name is Justin. <laughs> my name's Alex. Trick all. Trick all, bitches. Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got me made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.